Hello again, welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded from the Sophist Group. Adrian hosting today. Renault's with me. Hello, Renault. Yeah, how are you? Hi. Freezing over here in the UK, which I know is definitely not in South China at the moment. But hey, that's just the way、yeah. it is in the Northern Hemisphere, isn't it? Yeah, we're in t-shirts here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't rub it in. <laughs> It's fine. I've got like about five layers on, but、uh, yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> We're surviving. We're surviving, and obviously coming up to the Christmas period here. Not so much of that in、uh, South China, but we are sort of、um, well into the period that you need to be paying attention to what's coming up in Chinese New Year, which of course is in the start of February this year. It's about February the tenth,、mm. isn't it? Chinese New Year. But I guess,、yeah. I guess your suppliers, if you're buying from China or other places、mm. in East Asia, perhaps they're going to be. All guns blazing at the moment, trying to get the orders done, and then we're sort of starting to、mm. see、uh, the slowdown being exhibited in maybe some suppliers pretty soon. So, yeah, that's something to pay attention to. Even though you know we've got Christmas period coming up here, but for the suppliers, they're going to be working like crazy right now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in theory, it's in two months, right?、Mm-hmm. Like in two months, this is seven of February. Yeah,、uh, everything will be closed or like last person walking out, right? So, yeah.、Uh, except very specific, very very special cases. There have been some some people working through Chinese New Year.、Mm. Uh, actually, we had to do it once or <laughs>、yeah. twice for some 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 projects, but we have very limited crew that、mm-hmm. get special extra bonus, blah blah blah, right? So you you get to expect in two months basically everything's closed, and.、Yep. A lot of factories are going to be busy, right?、Mm. So that that's also the, the problem is that the factories are busy. So that the factories are that are going to ship products, like finished products, are busy. But then also the factories that supply to them, in turn, are getting busy already now. And and sometimes maybe your direct supplier has all the best intentions in the world, and you know, but just this one material, whatever, one one component. That they're not getting because that supplier, you know, is very busy and it's a custom component and blah blah blah, and, and、uh, you know they'll get to、mm. it,、uh, you know, next week, and then next week ah、uh, they have a lot of like big customer pushing hard that ah、uh, it's going to be next week, you know, and then this just、uh, messes up the entire schedule, right? You don't、mm. assemble if you don't have all the all, all the components, so you make、uh, cri- crippled products and then you. We work them after that. This is just terrible at every level,、um, mm. efficiency, but also quality, reliability. Everything suffers. So, a lot of factories are busy. Even if you hear that China is not very busy at the moment,、uh, yeah, believe me, a lot of factories are, are getting busy and and going to get busier, you know, in the next two months. So, if you haven't already planned, well, it's kind of too late anyway. Yeah, I would say like. Yeah, keep a bit of padding in your schedule. Like, don't tell your salespeople, "Okay, this is the、uh, <laughs> this is the delivery time," and da da da. You know, and then you can you can sell it to the customers and promise this kind of dates, right?、Mm. Need to to add some extra padding because if it ships after Chinese New Year,、mm. well, maybe you you know maybe you want to ship it. Maybe it's really ready, but then you cannot get a space in a container or in an airplane. And after that, where、well, you have to wait until the end of the holiday and everything resumes and everything, you, maybe you lose one month easily, easily.、Yeah. Right. So、um, that was. Oh yeah, little, you could be, you could be looking、uh, at March really.、Reminder. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 
Yes. Well, well, we've we've spoken about Chinese New Year before, written about it. I'll include some links about that so you can read into the sort of effects and the things that you need to be thinking about. But yeah, it's kind of an advanced warning, as you say. So that's uh, something worth mentioning now as we're in December. Uh, another another bit of news, which I think is interesting, which uh, I'm jealous of, and it applies to you a lot more than it does to me, is that uh, China's changed the visa situation for certain people um from this month right from december 2023 until 30th of november next year 2024 people with passports from six countries uh, get visa free for 15 days yeah multiple entry basically there's no limited number of entries but you Mm -hmm. can you can stay there for up to 15 days in a row i believe yep yeah the countries are Basically, people with a passport from Germany, Netherlands, France, um, Italy, Spain, mm-hmm. Malaysia. I mm. hope I haven't forgotten anybody. Yep. Um, so anybody who shows up there with a passport from one of these countries, you're just we're in you're in the the, the border and uh, in front of the immigration people. You they give you a little form to fill out. You know, this is my name. This is my phone number. I'm going to stay there in that hotel or whatever. Yeah, this is my contact. And, you know, countries you've been in the past two years and these kind of things. Uh, just a little form. You 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 hand it to the the, the person. You look at it. They say, "Oh, visa free." Okay. Look at your passport. They uh, maybe they take your fingerprint, but mm. it is very fast. You just apply yourself on a on, on a display. They, they they stamp on the passport and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't even ask if it's for leisure or business or what, right? Mm-hmm. So this is you, going you've to done make it. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I've done it because actually my business visa went, um, uh, had to be renewed. And um, yeah, I, I saw the policy came out just when I was applying for it. So I was kind of happy. Yeah. And um, yeah, just waited. Okay, 1st of December, I can go. A few days later, I I, um, I came in, mm. and it was very very smooth. You know, sometimes it's a new policy, and you're like, ah, you know, this is a new policy from Beijing, but it's yeah. going to be applied, you know, in Shanghai, in Shenzhen. And... No, no, mm. all the same now. Um, China, yeah. It, mm. it, uh, when it comes to immigration and and visas, China has gotten much more centralized than it was. Mm. The, um, uh, yeah, like 15 years ago for a, uh, a work visa, it was really sort of, you know, the rules of the city where you yeah. were applying or even yeah. the district maybe. Or, But but now, now it's, it's very transparent. It's based on points and the rules are out there. It's public on the internet and everybody knows. Mm. And it's, it's the same system wherever you're, you know, you're in Harbin or in, in, uh, in Guilin. It's going to be the same, same, mm. same system. Um, mm. Well, that, so that was that's, uh, the news section yeah, yeah. of the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's worth mentioning because if we got listeners uh, today from France, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, mm. Spain, and Malaysia, then mm. it's good news because you could just jump on a plane and go and get, not have to go through the whole visa. process i mean let's hope it gets rolled out to more countries but there are very obvious Mm. reasons to doubt that uh you know our friends from america or the uk or canada or other countries are gonna be you know given the same benefit but yeah let's let's hope it does but i have my doubts so 
that's that's that information anyway. Good news for a lot of people that want to go visit China soon for business or pleasure. Topic today. One thing that sometimes people ask when they're starting out buying from China, they they come to us and they they say, "Well, do I need a sourcing agent to help me?" And basically, I'd like to uh, answer that question today. Right. So first, people say agent, and <laughs> at the beginning, I was thinking, you know, sourcing agent, typical sourcing agent. Is going to get whatever five to ten, twelve percent, you know, commission on the on 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 the business. Mm. I was thinking this is a person who sort of does matchmaking, right? So, oh, I'm looking for a factory of uh, whatever um, plug adapters, and then you're like, ah, I don't trust Alibaba. I don't trust all these things. I don't know what to look at. I don't know what to ask. I don't know what kind of terms are kind of normal for me, etc. And then a lot of people think, well, I need an agent, right? I need someone over there on the ground to help me. And this is the usual thinking. And then what I found out is that there's all kinds of quote unquote agents. <laughs> okay. There's the commission agent, as I mentioned, is still the, you know, most of them. It's got some pluses and minuses, and I think what's interesting to discuss is when it kind of makes sense and when it doesn't make sense at all, right? Mm. And and what to expect of it. So they, they they get a percentage, right? And well, in China, a lot of them they know that the game is to get maybe you know five percent from the buyer side and another five percent from the supplier side because they're also introducing this factory rather than that factory. So they also uh, helping the different factories market themselves, you know, find some customers. So they, they they get paid from both sides. This is what you should expect, even if they say, no, 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 I only get this from you, you know. This is what to expect uh, until proven otherwise, right, which is pretty pretty difficult. But it, is, it really is that common. So so we're talking about the, um, the agent who gets a commission, okay. Then... There's the trading company. So this one is also doing matchmaking, but it's really an intermediary, you know, a middleman, as people say often. And I, a lot of people still call them, oh, this is my agent, this is my agent. And then, I, you know, when I, I I ask a few questions, and then I understand, oh, so you pay your agent directly. Oh, then have you ever been to the factory? Like, do you even know if it's been the same factory all along or what? Oh, we have no idea. You know, I've never been to China, never been in contact with them. We, we don't even know the name of the, you know, we pay our agents. Well, okay, so this is a trading company. I mean, this is what I call a trading company. Uh, not, I would not call really, I would not say it's an agent, but a lot of people say agent. So, okay, they do a lot of the same work as an agent, but they also uh, take more responsibility and probably more margin. And, hmm. and then... There's the agent that just gets paid by the hour or by the day or something like that, right? And this also has uh, some benefits and some drawbacks, and it really depends on the situation, right? Uh, and we are biased. Uh, maybe I should always say that at the beginning when talking about mm -hmm. these kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, at Sophist, we have a business unit doing supply chain management uh, kind of services, uh, including factory identification. 
And this is a, um, what do you call it? Just a pay by the hour work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we never get paid a percentage. Um, we just say, okay, what are you looking for exactly? Okay, we estimate roughly the difficulty and then we say, well, this going to be this many hours and you, we, we can identify that many suppliers and we can get that, I mean, potential suppliers that are kind of this, the right profile for you. And then you, you get a, um, you get this kind of uh, deliverable, right? Boom. And then, oh, you need us to do more work for screening. Okay. So that's that many more hours, blah, blah, blah. And you want us to go on site and check maybe the candidate number one, number two, and so on. Okay. We can go send an auditor there's a different person with a different um, different kind of uh, approach, really, who will look for the holes in the quality system and, 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 and things like that. Or maybe it's not just quality, maybe social, social compliance, et cetera. So, so this is what we, we like to do, and we, we never do anything else, never another way. But really, from a, a buyer's perspective, okay, I want to buy something in China. You know, which route? There's basically... Four options. Number one, of course, is just do it yourself, right? Which has gotten considerably easier with Alibaba and Global Sources and Made in China and all these things and the Canton Fair and Chinese suppliers going to every kind of exhibition in in the world. Uh, anyway, I mean, wholesale kind of, uh, you know, for, for wholesalers anyway, not for retailers. So it's always an option. And then there's the three others that I mentioned, working with an agent that gets a commission, working with a trading company, and working with a service provider that bills you by the hour. So uh, there's these four options, right? And then I guess the logical question is, uh, when when does it make sense, right? Mm, absolutely. I guess the first thing, first kind of question is, you're going to buy, you know, is it going to be a lot of money or not? Is this mm. a business that might develop nicely? And, uh, you know, and, and, and you really, you should invest at the beginning to set up your, your supply chain versus, oh, just going to buy these, you know, yeah, as I mentioned, plug adapters and just going to be an off the shelf product. There's no investment in this. I just want something, you know, commercial off the shelf. Uh, I'm just going to start with maybe whatever, minimum of the quantity, whatever, you know, ideally 100, maybe 200, maybe 500, but no more, you know. I'm just going to start with that and like, we'll see what happens. We'll see if we can uh, sell it easily on Amazon or something. In this case, does it make sense to invest at the beginning? Maybe not, right? You, you mm. might invest some of your time, but maybe you don't you don't want to invest a lot of money maybe right? maybe you're a bit uh, cash poor but you, you have a lot of a lot of time. So these are the, the first questions I would ask. If it's going to be a small business with not much investment, the, the product is not going to be customized, it's not going to be a, you know some any development work. Well, then you could try yourself because then um, how to say, yeah, you go on Alibaba, Global Sources, you see the, the, the factories, you try to make kind of make sense of it. You try, you know, and you might mm -hmm. make a mistake and all it's going to cost you maybe is, you know, a couple of thousand dollars and that 
that's what you want to pay and you know you, you're willing to take the risk okay why not right mm -hmm. as long as it's not a highly regulated product it's not you know you're not playing with people's safety so maybe you do this with a plug adapter but you really don't do that with a, a power supply for example right <laughs> You really definitely should not do that with a power supply. Mm. Um, this is just a, okay, just an example. You don't do that with, uh, toys, right? You, you might not want to do that with high voltage electrical products in general or uh, products that are in contact with food and beverage, you know, the certain things that, that come with a higher risk. Yeah. Uh, you really want to avoid this. You avoid this. You keep the older size pretty small. Uh, why not? A lot of people have started this way and they, you know, it's the, the school of hard knocks, right? Some people really want mm. to do things by themselves. So they know everything and they really understand and they learn faster. So I, I, I really respect that. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's a place for that. Uh, but otherwise, well, if you don't want to be all alone or out there in this big world and you need someone to, to guide you a bit, then a commission sales agent is not a bad idea, right? Someone with good communication who understands what you, you what you're looking for, who has no problem that you're starting with low volumes, who can quickly uh, get you in touch with a few suppliers, a few manufacturers typically who um, who, who 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 have experience in that product, who can can send you some samples. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, someone who can move, move things ahead, right? Get the ball rolling. Of course, uh, that has value and you're not paying anything up front. Remember, because they get commission and, um, when there's some business, when there's a, when there's a payment, typically there's a commission for them, right? So if they do a good job, then it's more likely that there will be orders and that they will get their commission. And if they do a great job, yeah, maybe they have an impact on getting the business to grow and and then they will get more commissions. And, you know, this is this is an incentive. At this stage, I, I would say really, why not? You know, and then if things go wrong because the manufacturer did something wrong, yeah, they will try to patch things up. They will try to, they will talk with the factory. They will, you know, they might ask better questions than you. They, they might... They might push the supplier better than you, etc. Okay, mm. so this is not a bad, not a bad approach. Makes a lot of sense. Now, let's say your business grows, and that sourcing agent you know, is doing a a good job and finds you, you know, not a supplier for this kind of uh, adjacent product and so on. And you you have a, a variety of SKUs that you you're selling, and it's getting it's, it's going well. At one point, once you figure out the business, the the the, the way the whole thing is working, um, can you cut that first that 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 agent off? Well, you can say, mm -hmm. "Hey, so you know, thanks, you've done a good job. I'm going to follow up on the shipments and, and quality control and everything myself." Of course, you can do it. I mean, there's freight forwarders in your country that you can talk to uh, that can arrange things with you. There's um, Obviously, auditing and inspection companies. There's, there's there's all kinds of service companies that can help you. Once your business is at the level where you really you don't mind paying you know professional fees and 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 so on, um, 
do you still need a sourcing agent? Uh, usually not, but but they have a function, like you know the maybe the daily management of the suppliers and daily follow up. Oh, and uh, hey, have you sent the samples? Yeah. Oh, make sure you remember, you know the. The, the customer, they say that, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So they have a function. And you need, you need someone to fulfill that function. Now, is it going to be one of your employees, maybe? Again, if your business is mm-hmm. growing, right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Or or if you don't want to have people you know, that you hire, maybe you you switch to, to the model of paying by the hour, okay? Then you can have someone to do project management for you without any commitment, without a minimum number of hours or anything like that, right? The, the, you, you can find this, right? So what do you do? do you, you can you can push a sourcing agent out and say, okay, you've done a good job and, you know, accumulated commissions have been pretty good for you and uh, I'd like to stop here. I'm going to, to handle this on my own, okay? Hmm. But these suppliers that they sourced, they're going to keep giving the sourcing agent whatever, 6% or 4% or 10%, who knows, right? Because, hey, this says, this uh, agent has been bringing them business and started things, and it's the, 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 the you know, non-written but very clear agreement that for as long as this customer gives you orders, you keep a commission for me, right? Mm. And then maybe this sourcing agent is also bringing some other customers to that factory. So that factory doesn't want to upset the sourcing agent. They will keep, they will just bump the price up. And in the end, you pay for that commission. Right. Mm-hmm. So this, you can't really get rid of it. So long term, long term, there, there is a price, right? It, it, if you, if you, you have an upside in your business model and, and things go well, well, the sourcing agent is going to keep, um, how to say it nicely, <laughs> keep uh, keep drawing a little bit, uh, you know, in, in, into her pocket, um, mm. you know, a part of your success anyway, even if you fire her probably, right? Mm. And a reason usually why people get mad with their sourcing agents is that they say, well, you know, Hey, I've seen such and such supplier on the trade show and they give me better pricing. And I have these people actually contacted me directly and offer me better pricing for my products. You know, how come, you know, why, why do I seem to pay a bit too much? And then they, they notice that the sourcing agent is not working hard at all to get the prices down. Mm. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, remember they're also the salesperson of the of the manufacturer. So, <laughs> you know they they don't want to cut their commission because you know, the factory is going to say, well, <laughs> you know uh, we can give you a one or two percent, but you know you also got to give uh, a few percent of your of your commission, right? Uh, <laughs> they don't really want that, so uh, they're not going to pressure the manufacturer too much. And the second reason is. Um, they have an an incentive structure, right? That you agreed you agreed with that at the beginning, and it it has some perverse effects. If you pay them, whatever, let's say all in all, let's say they get eight percent, okay, 
Um, sometimes it's much higher, by the way. We've seen some really crazy situations where they get 20% or something. But mm-hmm. let's say they get 8%. Well, if they manage to reduce the price that you pay, these 8% are going to actually represent less money for them. They don't have anything to gain by negotiating better pricing. They only have something to lose. Now, you might say in the long term, maybe the business will increase, blah, blah, blah. But in the short term, it hurts them. They they don't really want to do that. And by the way, there was a study. I'm not making things up here um, (laughs) because real estate agents do the same thing, Hmm. right? They get X percent uh, when they sell a house. And I think, let's say you want to sell your house, okay? And you work with an agent and you, you, you might think, well, that agent, I give them some freedom to see, you know, if they want to sell it as, you know, 200K or 250K or what. But <laughs> for the agent, it's a lot more work to sell the house at 250K rather than 200K. Hmm. And the the percentage that the agent gets, you know, it, it's not enough to compensate all that extra work. So there, there's been... Uh, there's been a study, someone at uh, U.S. university looked into that and say, well, sourcing agents, when they sell their own houses, <laughs> they hang on much longer. They try much harder. It takes them longer to sell because they really want to extract <clears throat> the higher price. Hmm. But when, they, uh, when they're just an, an agent and the principal is selling the house, this are much faster. They try, oh, yeah, okay, this is not a bad price. I think you should sign, you know, go, and then I get my commission. It's not really worth it for them to um, to take the risk of losing a sale and spend, spend more time, uh, you know. Um, just, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's the incentives. And it's the same with your sourcing agents. Mm-hmm. Why would they work hard on certain things where actually it might even hurt their incentive? It's not about like... Uh, um, they could earn a little bit more, like in the case of the the the, the real estate agent. In the case of the sourcing agent, is even worse. The incentives make them actually lose money if they help you negotiate better pricing. So, you know, this is um, sort of the pros and cons of the, the commission sourcing agent. Now, I should also add that not all commission sourcing agents get uh, money from the factory side. Okay. Uh, there are some some honest ones who don't play this typical Chinese game. Mm. However, even they tell me, you know, when they introduce a new factory and they say, hey, I'm a sourcing agent for such and such company, some factories actually tell them, okay, okay, so you're sourcing agent, okay, so how much percentage do I keep for you? You know, even the factories are so used to it that they um, they, they, they sometimes offer to do it you know okay but before i give a quote i don't want any misunderstanding here you're an agent right so how much percentage (laughs) no that tells you how how um, widespread it is yeah yeah now let's look at the trading companies so a trading company also will not charge you anything at the beginning they just want to get the business going keep things simple or look simple and and, and yeah, yeah, it's fine. We have a good source for this and it's great. And uh, blah, blah, blah. And here are some good samples. And, and um, here's the performer invoice, you know, send, send the money. Mm-hmm. 
Of course, because it's their is their business model. I mean, just like the manufacturers, exactly the same thing. The business model is to to get to 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 the business of manufacturing, right? Not just uh, lose a lot of time in product development and and uh, anything that basically doesn't really um, uh, allow them to 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 move materials. So there's there's no need to invest in anything at the beginning as long as you can convince them that you you really have a a business you really place the order you will really pay and you are sort of a serious person then okay you know they will get things moving for you hmm. and they might also have very good communication okay great that's the that's the positive usually the big negative with trading companies that I've found is again is due to their incentives. They don't want to be cut out of the deal. They don't want the buyer to find out who the manufacturer is. So there's zero transparency in many cases. Mm. Okay. And well, that's not possible in a lot of cases, right? If you do uh, medical devices, you really need to, <laughs> uh, I mean, it has to be obvious who the manufacturer is and things like that. If you do, I don't know, um, if you want to have a UL or ETL mark for North America uh, or something similar, then the certificate will have to bear the name of the manufacturer because the manufacturer has to be audited for that, right? So there's a number of situations where it's not possible. But for relatively simple products, there's still a lot of cases where it's the case, where it's, it's true. But the, the the trading company is there in the middle and you don't know what's going on behind. And they might be farming the, the orders to three different factories. They might be changing from one factory to the next every time, for all you know, right? It's very hard, um, very, very hard to know exactly what uh, what's going on there. So mm-hmm. experienced buyers who have the power to negotiate at the beginning and say, look, the way we're going to work is you will take your margin. Okay, I don't want to know. I don't care. So I'm not going to talk about any commercial topic with the, with the the factory. You act as their salesperson for these kind of things. For business topics, you're the contact. You're like the, the business person of the factory. For everything else, I want to be able to go to the factory. I want to be able to ask them technical questions. I want to be able to do, you know, just to go there, just like they are my direct supplier, hmm. right? And if you say that very clearly from the beginning, and so it's possible. Some people do it, right? Some people manage to to negotiate that, and I, I think it's smart. But coming back to the incentives of the business model of the trading company, a, a problem is that the don't really want their customers again to jump over them right to go direct with the manufacturer because when the trading company very often both the manufacturer and the customer after a while if they see there's not much value um, coming from the, the trading company they just want to do, do business directly so a lot of traders a lot of trading companies they get cut off and they know it's really the the risk so what do they do what's their incentive their incentive is to bring you to that little factory where nobody speaks English <laughs> mm. and that has probably not much exposure 
to the requirements of export markets and export customers and is very hungry for business and gives a good price, right? So that's how they make a, a proper margin without having a very high cost, at least at the beginning, that's very important after that. Who knows what they will do, but they want your business, so they don't want to be too expensive, but they still want to make a decent margin. So they work with this kind of very Chinese local little workshop. And then, well, do you think this kind of little workshop is very invested in in in, in getting you, the customer, successful? They never saw you. They, they don't even know, you know, what you look like. Um, yeah. And do you think they have a, a proper um, quality management staff and so on? In many cases, mm. these small workshops, they they receive materials, they don't even check it, they put it together, pack, push it out the door, right? So very dangerous. Some trading companies have, you know, an army of inspectors on the ground going to the factories and checking what's going on and so on and so forth. But mm. what they're doing is they, they keep troubleshooting, basically. They keep troubleshooting. And... um Problems happen, and some of them will will reach you, and that's true both of the trading company and of the commission agent. If something goes wrong, their immediate interest is to not tell you, let the goods ship out, and get the payment. Right. So that's the immediate incentive. That's the incentive system. Now, long run again. Some of them do think long run and they're very careful about that. But some of them think very short term. And let's say it puts a doubt in their mind. You know, uh, if I tell the, the customer, maybe they will be very worried. They're going to start to ask me a lot of questions. They will, they will expect me to do a lot of things. Maybe they will, they will start to also question me. Why did I pick that kind of factory? Blah, blah. I'm going to try to fix it with the factory without telling them. And let's try to, to do the best we can. We work the products, whatever, you know, the best we can. Uh, let's get it shipped out. And who knows, maybe they will not find out that there's still 20% of bad products. You know, maybe maybe it's just accepted by the market. Or maybe, let, let's see. It's better to mm. be, uh, to ask for forgiveness uh, later, right, uh, than, than asking for permission. Mm. Yeah, maybe they will not notice. But if we keep trying to fix it and then it's late, for sure they will notice and then they will try to bang on our head and, and ask for a discount or and so on. Right. So these are very perverse kind of incentives that uh, buyers have to be aware of. <laughs> mm. right. can, can I ask about the trading company just mm. quickly? When you talk about them uh, and there's the potential that they're going to work with uh, fact, a factory that you have no knowledge of who it is, right? Today, mm-hmm. when compliance, especially, you know, we've spoken about the EU uh, a lot recently mm-hmm. and the requirement to be able to provide supply chain transparency and, and of course, make sure that products mm-hmm. are compliant uh, in terms of mm-hmm. safety. I mean, surely then it, it makes working with a trading company that is not going to disclose this kind of information. Basically, it's, it's just too big of a risk. Uh, well, yeah, let's say trading companies where the norm, if you were buying from China in 1995, 
mm. right? You were going through a Hong Kong training company or something. And then over time, little by little, little by little, and then, you know, very fast at one point, <laughs> they they just get kicked out, you know, they, they sort of disappeared. Now, there's still a lot of them, right? But a lot of the manufacturers just went to the Canton Fair, paid on Alibaba, hired a couple of young graduates who could speak English, you know, and like work their way up just to avoid being subject to, um, to the desires of trading companies that really end up deciding their fate. And they don't like that. They want their direct customers, which tend to be much more stable in the long term, mm. right? Uh, and, and so really, th- there used to be many, many more trading companies than now. And I, I, I believe the EU requirements for transparency, yeah, that's <laughs> that's not good for their business model. So some of them are smart. They adapt. Uh, they're pretty clear. This is the factory we work with. This is da 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 And this is the way it works. And, and they, they provide value. And that's great. There, there are some very good actors. But then those, they still have the practices of 20 or 30 years ago. Well, yeah, the, the, the business model, let's say, is... <laughs> is not very promising yeah mm, absolutely and so i mean the last point to cover is what if you have you know large order size or you really need to invest a lot of time and effort maybe to develop a new product do you you know should you work with a commission tra- commission agent or a trading company well you might maybe you can negotiate a very low percentage you know maybe you can you can work with a a trading company a bit more like your buying office right some of them have changed to this business model and they say well you know we get that percentage and this is um this is what we do and then you pay us and we pay the factory but you go there anytime and we're like your buying office right Outsourced, external, but your your buying office, and some of them again provide a lot of value, and and do that very well, and uh, some others, um, you know, play games and they they get commissions <laughs> from the factory side and all these kind of mm-hmm. things. I mean, even the biggest ones like Li and Fang, you know, there's 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 stories, right? I don't want to get in trouble, but there's stories that. They get in trouble because they were telling their customers, oh, look, yeah, we only get a few percentage of margin and blah, blah, blah. So it's cheaper to use us than to have your own office here. We are more efficient and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, this is the most efficient way of buying and so on. And then buyers found out that they were also getting a few percentage points uh, from the manufacturer side, <laughs> right? Uh, so... This is across the industry, right? This is just too tempting because you're not going to get caught every time. And who knows? Maybe you get caught in 10 years. Well, you, you've made a, you had a much better business. In, yeah, that's in the meantime, a lot of money. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a lot of money. So usually if you're going to have a relatively large business, um, you really want to set your supply chain on very firm ground. You want to have direct relationship with the, the manufacturer that's going to do the assembly and some of the processing, like the main supplier, the main factory, let's say. You also want to have 
a relationship with the suppliers of critical components, except if they're huge, right? I mean, um, you're going to buy uh, um, Panasonic batteries. Well, if you're Tesla, you can push them to do a joint venture with you and kind of everything like that. But if you are, if you're going to buy um, half a million dollars a year in, in their batteries, you're not going to have a <laughs> cozy, cozy relationship with their managers, right? You're going to maybe just buy from a distributor or something. But in many cases, it, 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 anyway, you, you want to have direct relationships wherever you, you can and, and have as much visibility as possible because with visibility comes control. That's what we always say. And then that means you don't want to be hostage to anybody. You don't want to owe anything to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a decision of do we have the expertise in-house to do that? Do we hire people to do that, like employees? Or do we hire consultants to do that, right? Um, or contractors to, to, to do that, right? And then you pay, yeah, you pay by the hour or by the day or, or something like that, right? And that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Mm. That's how you get, you have control. You are not building your supply chain on, on sand and you have visibility. There's no so smokes and screens. I mean, there's always a little bit in China, but you, you can see much clearer, much, much clearer, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and as we sort of, you know, progress up through the order quantities and the kind mm-hmm. of product that we're actually trying to buy in China uh, in terms of how complex it is and also whether it's you know highly regulated or in a particular category that causes product safety this becomes ever more important you know that that level of control because you've got that compliance scrutiny for example uh that and that's just a start but on the other hand i suppose for cheaper products simpler products that don't pose much of a safety uh risk uh then relying on you know the expertise of others and maybe paying that commission it's less of a problem as you've said right right yeah if you want to buy you know socks and uh, yeah and, uh, panties knickers you know well what's the worst that can happen you get a yeah. you get a batch of products you cannot sell yeah that's pretty bad that's that can be a lot of money lost but are you subjected to all kinds of regulations and so on not so mm. much not so much not not yet anyway right but the, it depends what you sell, right? If you sell in the US, well, where does that cotton come from? That's a yeah. big question. Yeah. <laughs> you really want to have some visibility and some evidence, right? So you really need the data, the mm. information about the actors in the supply chain, at least when it comes to the cotton. And if you sell into the EU, that is not a problem yet. However, the European Commission is working on that eco-design for sustainable product regulation is still a proposal, but they said very clearly that fast fashion was something that they want to rein in. It is definitely one of their their first targets. You know, building mm-hmm. materials and fast fashion, they want to do something here. And they will add some extra requirements and that will require, yeah. But let's see. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it when it comes out in in detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely great. Okay, so that's a kind of overview into 
whether you need a sourcing agent or not. And the different uh, kind of scenarios you've outlined four, and they're quite interesting. Four different options. So uh, there's a there's actually an interesting graphic that we made a long time ago that I'll share. Mm in the actual show notes so take a look because it kind of shows how the involvement that you need to put in is correlated with the size of orders that you're going to place and also who's actually doing the sourcing whether it's you or or a different party so uh that's worth looking at and yeah food for thought today so uh definitely Mm. answers the question thanks that's great Mm. and uh, as ever we will be back next week as we're accelerating towards Christmas. Now we're in December, but uh, that we're keeping them coming and any other updates about Chinese New Year and other topics like that, keep listening because we will keep you updated. Thanks a lot. And uh, you'll hear from us next week as usual. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.